Hello, my name is Ben Jenkins. Welcome to another episode of the New Grad Radio Podcast, the podcast following the experiences of a new graduate nurse starting into the intensive care unit. So welcome to episode 100. Yes, that's right. 100 episodes of the New Grad Radio Podcast. And today's not just any episode. Today's an episode that I've been saving for the last few weeks now. uh, Because today I'm proud to announce that I passed my 12-month CPAT. Uh, as I've sort of mentioned on a few uh, episodes uh, throughout this year, the 12-month CPAT is the culminating event. Uh, it's a day in which an assessor is watching absolutely everything I do throughout the entirety of, of my shift, uh, and it's covering everything from what I've learned in all of my phase books, uh, not only uh, looking at how I'm performing with my skills and my time management and uh, safety and, and caring for a very critically ill patient, but it's also caring for a very, very critical ill patient. It's a, it's a patient that's very acute in their stay that either has a traumatic brain injury or an out-of-hospital cardiac arrest. And in my case, I cared for a, a very, very sick traumatic brain injury. Um, so today, I'm not only going to be talking about the 12-month CPAT itself, but a lot of today is going to be about the lead-up to that 12-month podcast, to a 12-month CPAT. Uh, and just exactly what I learnt in comparison um, from my nine-month CPAT that I only did a few few weeks ago now. So it is an absolutely incredible feeling to have passed that 12-month CPAT. Uh, I just know that a lot of hard work, uh, a lot of time spent has gone into uh, this entirety of year to lead up to this point. Uh, and to it to have been finished uh, pretty much means that I have passed that uh, graduate year and transition year now. So... Uh, but what I love even more and what excites me even more is just knowing how far I've come in the last few weeks since that nine-month CPAT. My skills and my clinical abilities, critically thinking, has all improved so, so much. Uh, and I think that, that I put that down to a few things. Number one is uh, the, I learned so much about myself and my abilities at the time from that nine-month CPAT. I was able to take a lot from it and be able to, to implement uh, strategies around improving to, to get to this 12-month CPAT. Um, but it's also the exposure that I've had over the last few weeks. I have cared for some of the sickest patients that I've ever cared for in the entirety of this year, but I've been doing it day after day after day. And the educators and everyone who allocates you has done this on purpose to be able to um, keep you progressing and getting to that point where you'd feel a lot more comfortable for that 12-month CPAT. Uh, that's something I noticed before the nine-month CPAT. Like I wasn't getting the, I was getting sick patients, but I wasn't getting the sick patients every day. And so you'd go through a run of having, um, I'm not going to say stable patients, but patients where you can take your time that bit more in your shift, not always caring for the same type of patients that you'd be caring for the 12-month CPAT. Uh, and so when it came to that nine-month CPAT, it was like, whew, like it sort of just, <laughs> it hit me a bit. Um, and I was really able to see that I didn't know my traumatic brain injury guidelines as well as what I could have. Um, and so when, and, and also just surrounding other um, knowledge deficits that I had as well. So when questions were asked of me on that nine-month CPAT day, I feel as if I had to almost pause what I was doing to really think about my answer before I gave it. And that was really slowing me down. Um, and also surrounding my skills uh, on that day. Um, whilst I'm definitely not going to say they were bad um, or slow, it was just I wasn't able to make them flow and clump my cares together as well as I could have 
I felt like I really needed to use the computer to still go back and see what needed to be done. Um, whilst these are some of the things I've been working over the last few weeks, and those are big things I took away from the nine-month CPAT. So when it comes to uh, knowledge and everything like that, for the last few weeks, I've been working really, really hard uh, in order to get to the point, and this was something I did purposefully, so I knew that I wanted to come to my 12-month CPAT and when things were asked of me, I wouldn't have to really think as hard about it that I would know the answer. And that was, that was what I was hoping to be able to get to, to know the answer, to then be able to continue what I was doing, uh, give the, the answer um, and be able to just move on and continue with the care that I was providing. And um, that, that is something that I was, I was able to do so, so much better, uh, which, is, which is incredible. Um, and the way in which I got to that, so from, for example, I knew that I needed to improve my tra- traumatic brain injury guidelines. Uh, so what I did over the last few weeks is I printed out those traumatic brain injury guidelines and I kept them with me um, at the start of every shift and I'd look over it. As soon as I saw that I was getting a traumatic brain injury patient, um, I would bring out those guidelines, I'd have a quick read before my shift and during the shift I'd always have a quick skim over it um, so that I knew that I was on track and I was keeping uh, to everything I needed to do. Uh, so for example, there, there are a lot of um, things that we do for traumatic brain injury patients in those first few days uh, and a lot of them surround what we call neuroprotective measures. Um, and so to start with, for example, this is just one example of a neuroprotective measure, but we keep um, carbon dioxide bet- uh, levels between 35 and 40 and we measure this by taking arterial blood gases. And so in the brain, what happens is if we go above 40, um, you're going to have vasodilation, uh, which means that we're going to have increased perfusion to the brain. So you think that would be a good thing, but in someone who has a traumatic brain injury, we're trying to reduce intracranial pressures. Um, So if you have too much perfusion going through the brain uh, via this vasodilation, that's not what we're trying to do. and conversely, if we have a carbon dioxide less than 35, um, the opposite's going to happen. So there's going to be vasoconstriction in the brain, uh, which means we're not going to get enough perfusion, uh, which can lead to a hypoxic state. Um, and both of these are going to, to can definitely lead to traumatic brain uh, to secondary injuries, which is exactly what we're trying to avoid with traumatic brain injury patients. Uh, and you also have a, a other host of different neuroprotective measures from keeping sodium above 140 to be able to keep cerebral perfusion pressures between 60 and 70, um, be able to sit the bed, head of bed 30 degrees, loosen off constrictive tapes. Like there's, a, there's a ton of different things that we do surrounding uh, traumatic brain injury patients. And to start with, uh, like especially towards that nine-month CPAT time, I felt like I was really having to rote learn these things. They were just numbers, and I had to learn the numbers to be able to keep it in between. But what I've found with this continual exposure day after day is what I'd been learning in my phase books, which is exactly all this theory that I'm talking to you about now, it, I was really, it really started to click, and, and I could marry up the theory to my practice so, so much better. It wasn't about remembering a number anymore as much as understanding why I was doing what I was doing. And then also in the last few weeks, it wasn't just about, okay, this is the theory behind the carbon dioxide, for example, and the vasodilation and constriction, but then it's, you know, what is the rationale behind it? And that's what that is. But then what can I do about it as a registered nurse? 
Uh, and so for example, if I'm noticing that the carbon dioxide levels are 31, so it's below that 35 to 40, so which means it's gonna to be too much vasoconstriction, what I can implement is to decrease the respiratory rate on the ventilator, which means that they're going to be able to retain more carbon dioxide. Um, and there's other things like, okay, well, we're trying to keep sodium levels above 140. You know, why is that? The rationale is that uh, where, for example, where salt goes, water's going to follow. So what we do is we try to keep sodium levels above the level of 140, which is trying to draw out extra water from the brain. Um, so we're trying to reduce those intracranial pressures. Uh, and so what we do about this, uh, so if the one thing that we're doing straight up is that we're going to keep um, the maintenance fluid for these patients are going to be 0.9% normal saline. Um, but if that's not working, um, we can use hypertonic saline boluses in order to increase that sodium to above that 140 mark. Um, so again, I think the last few weeks, it's been so helpful to have these same types of patients, the, the type of patient that I would have been having for my 12-month CPAP, uh, and it's really reinforced why I'm doing what I'm doing. And the learning that I've had has just increased so, so much. Um, and then also moving on to what the other thing I was talking about before was something I'm going to try to improve upon is my skills. So um, I feel like some of the, the patients that I was having before and also after my nine-month CPAT, um, not, not every patient um, before, especially before the last few weeks, were the same sort of patients I've had the last few weeks. So I've been able to take my time a lot more to be able to develop my routine. Um, so not only has my skills improved by being able to improve the speed in which I'm able to do them, um, whilst also keeping effectiveness and being able to do them right, um, but I've also been able to clump everything together a lot more. I don't have to look anywhere near as much at the computer. You start to, uh, things start to become a lot more regimented. You start to pick up and see where things need to be done a lot more, so... Anyway, that, those things. So I've been taking time on doing things like tracheostomy dressings and whole line changes. And I feel before where I'd get to the end of my shift and I'm still rushing and I'm trying to get my notes done and I've still got a few things to do, uh, I'd notice that by the end of my shift, uh, all my notes have been written. Um, all of the drawers have already been restocked and it's a lot more comfortable of an experience to give the handover. And that sort of just shows that the hard work I was putting in and being able to work on these individual skills, I was able to get better and better with time and, and things started to work a lot better. So uh, the 12 month CPAD itself, it was a big, big day. Um, as you can imagine and you can appreciate with a very sick traumatic brain injury patient those first few days, they can be quite dynamic. Uh, I had to go down for a CT scan. I was, I was trying really working hard to keep my... Um, neuroprotective measures and everything in between the, the parameters. So I was going up and down on NORAD, giving hypertonic saline boluses, doing all these sort of things I'm talking to you about, um, as well as answering all of these different questions from the assessor, pretty much being asked anything from all of the, the phase books that I've done over this year and also from the assignments. So there's a lot that I learned over the last 12 months, as you could probably hear from all my podcasts and all the episodes I made for the New Great Radio podcast. Um, so that, that was a big, big day in that regards. And just little things like the portable ventilator, where before it was taking a long time to set everything up and the, the portable ventilator and the way it 
looks and the buttons and everything are different to my bedside ventilator. So it took me a bit of time to get used to it. But um, because I've been exposed day after day to these really sick patients and the same type of traumatic brain injury patients that I'd had for my 12-month CPAT, I've been doing a lot more CT scans. So um, going down to CT a lot more and using the portable ventilator. So where before it was a bit, of a, a bit more of a challenge and, and really hard, um, uh, just by doing it more and more, I've been definitely getting better and better at it. Um, and even though I've passed this 12-month CPAT now, so it's, it is a fantastic, uh, it's a fantastic feeling. Um, and from the day, like even though I've passed all the criteria for that 12-month CPAT, I've gotten so much out of the experience as well. And just like everything, there is always going to be so much more that I could be learning. And, and I think CPAT itself has achieved exactly what it's meant to, to, to achieve. As, as in, like, it's not only meant to um, make sure that I'm meeting the standards for where I'm supposed to be at the 12-month mark in my time in ICU in the transition program, but also it, it aids and it works as a, an educational experience as well. So... I definitely found that to be the case and I've definitely got a few things I'm taking away that I'll certainly be working on into the future. So uh, where to from here, guys? So I've got a, a few more uh, episodes that I think I'm going to make, um, but I'm really going to be thinking over the next couple of days about how I'm going to wrap up the New Grad Radio for, uh, podcast. Uh, and also I've only got five more shifts until I head off for a three-week holiday. So that's certainly coming up soon as well. So if you have any questions whatsoever, as always, uh, feel free to send me a message over at the New Grad Radio Facebook page. Um, I'll certainly be looking at absolutely everyone that you send through and I'll certainly get back to you as quick as I can. So it's, uh, it's been awesome this year, guys. Uh, thank you so much for, for listening along and I'll be talking to you soon. Have a good one.